Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And what is up? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here, GC Live. Getting started a little bit late, but um, actually working on a South Carolina men's basketball commitment, getting that up on the website. Chris, primarily want to talk a little bit of football. I hope everybody's been doing well. hope you all enjoyed the spring game. Good Saturday night, I felt like, at Williams-Price Stadium. Got some fireworks, some big recruits in town, maybe a first look at some newcomers. Saw some overtime, uh, which I don't think I've maybe seen much of in spring games in the past, but I had a little bit of everything. So most of the show will be about that, but since it just happened and uh, we just posted Colin's article on Gamecock Central, there is a free version and some behind-the-scenes stuff uh, for subscribers as well. But uh, Chris, Miles Studi, not Stute, which was what I was going to call him, uh, Miles Studi, is a new South Carolina commitment out of the transfer portal on the men's basketball side of things. And in intra-conference, I guess you would say, SEC to SEC transfer from Vanderbilt. And uh, you were telling me off air, you actually um, kind of scouted this guy without knowing it a little bit last <laughs> yeah. year or two years ago, I guess. Yeah, last season, man. And I had no idea, obviously, that he'd be heading to South Carolina or really anywhere. I, honestly, Wes, when I saw the news that Miles Studi was hitting the transfer portal, I, I didn't think of South Carolina at all. Um, I was just kind of surprised that he went in in general. Um, this guy was a starter for Vandy. Um, he played in basically all their games. He was a, a multi-year starter for them. But from what we've heard, and even from what Jerry Stockhouse, the head coach at Vanderbilt, has, has said, Wes, you know, he, he wanted to take on a little bit of even a bigger role, um, maybe be more of a focal point of a basketball team. And so South Carolina, obviously, as we've discussed at length, they've got some openings on their basketball team under Lamont Paris for guys to come in and play a lot and be a focal point. Um, I really like this guy's skill set. Um, this is a big kid. He's from the Washington, D.C. area. I think he played at Gonzaga up there. Um, he's got size and I want to make sure. Yep. Six, seven. That's what I thought he was making sure there he's six, seven, two fifteen. but he's kind of got a well-rounded skill set. I was talking actually to Colin Taylor before we came on Wes, as he was working on this story, preparing to put it out. And, uh, he mentioned that running the advanced analytics, this guy, when you compare his numbers to South Carolina's other numbers from last season, he would have been the number one offensive player um, on the team using analytics. And I think a great pickup because he brings some things that you're missing, right? He's got some size. He can handle the ball if you need him to. He's more of a wing player, but he can really shoot from outside. I know last season those numbers dipped, not precipitously, not in a negative way. They dipped from what they were when he was a sophomore. Wes is a sophomore. 
He was one of the top three-point shooters in the country. This guy shot 43% from three, which led the SEC um, that year. He's not going to be a high-volume shooter. At least he wasn't at Vandy. But he's a guy that can take, you know, three to even – there were a few games at points where he would take, you know, ten threes in, in a game. So, um, he's a guy that can score from outside. He's got some length. Really, really intriguing player, and I think a really good pickup for Lamont Paris and this team. Yeah, as we said, that just happened. You can go read about it on Gamecock Central. Uh, one of our favorite, I believe, content items is the inside the commitment. We try to have that on the football and basketball side. Colin's already got one of those um, posted on the front page of the site, so go check that out if you're interested in learning a little bit more about him. As I said, primarily we'll talk football, uh, spring game thoughts, spring game or, or spring practice as a whole thoughts, and some recruiting, one of the honestly best recruiting lists in terms of elite talent that I've ever seen at South Carolina, certainly up there with any of them in the group that was on campus on Saturday. Not just for the game, but just spending some time around the staff before the game. One of the, I would say, valuable aspects of having a night game instead of the earlier afternoon game, was, which is what you used to see all the time with spring games. So, Chris, I'll let you go first, man. Who's the one guy, if you had to focus on one person, who was bouncing around in your brain after watching the game Saturday? Man, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to be like just about everybody else. I've, I've got to go with Lenora Sellers. Um, and it's an interesting pick. Uh, not because it's any sort of going out on a limb or, or bringing you behind the scenes of something you probably missed during the game, right? Everybody that watched the game, for the most part, has been talking about Lenora Sellers. But I think an interesting pick because this is a guy that's not even going to be the starter this season, barring any sort of injury uh, for South Carolina football. Uh, but nonetheless, just you walk away from that game, or at least I did, Wes, just so intrigued by Lenora Sellers and his skill set. Um, I was already, you know, going into this season based on what he did in high school, the numbers he put up that were video game-like, the physical traits, and then some of the things that we heard when he got to South Carolina in January, going through workouts, going through the player-run practices, we've heard so many positive things. But getting the chance to really see him in that game setting, in that scrimmage setting for the first time, he didn't disappoint because I think he showed a lot of the traits and the tools, um, you know, that we knew that he had but had not seen in a Gamecock uniform for the first time. The running ability, the poise, the leadership, some of the kind of the, the non-physical traits – that you could just see manifested on the field, but then the arm, the ability to run, all those things, you saw it. And so it's kind of interesting, Wes. I don't know how many years you go to a spring game, watch a spring game, and you walk away talking a little bit more about one of the backup quarterbacks or maybe even not a guy who's going to be the primary backup necessarily this year. I think that's kind of maybe unique. But, man, I mean, when you say, hey, top impression from the spring game this year, what's the first guy that comes to your mind? Honestly, that's that's the one for me is Lenore Sellers. Yeah, still Curtin still saying um, still more likely to redshirt this year, but he was impressed with him, has a bright future. I'm not quite so ready to just give up on him possibly avoiding the redshirt this year, honestly. I mean – 
I, I think, and we talked about this on the 107.5 show, Chris, I think there's a path for him to see the field right away. And, and that's really, to me, because of the skill set. We we saw how they used the carry-on joiner, you know, this past year. We know they're going to have to be creative in the running game. They've talked about that. And, you know, I think that you look at it and say, is, is there a path to this guy really helping the offense this year? And And I think there is. You know, you look at the running ability – Yes, there are other guys on this team that are at quarterback that have athletic ability. I don't see other guys that have the size and physicality that Lenoris has. And when you have concerns at running back, and, you know, I, I think the concerns aren't maybe quite as great as they were, but they're still there at that position. So if you tell me I have a quarterback who is like 230 pounds and – runs physically and is athletic and can make people miss and actually has a vision, I'm very, very tempted to use him as a change of pace and as a short yardage guy and then even kind of expand the package I use him in kind of as this season progresses. So, you know, I I wanted to see, and again, we're talking about a spring game. I wanted to see how the speed and athleticism would maybe translate to the college level, um, there are a couple of really nice runs on Saturday night. He made some great cuts. He's obvi- He obviously does not shy away from contact, which is both good and bad for a quarterback. But, you know, I, I think if you're looking at maximizing what this team is this season, and you know you're going to be in a bunch of close games, so you have to do that, I – I see a like to me. I I'm I've like reverse course. I I sort of thought, oh, he's got a very bright future, but they'll play him in four games and redshirt him. Now I'm sitting here saying this guy's gonna just play, and if you can't redshirt him, then then so be it. And I actually, Chris, as I sit here and think about it, that's kind of where I am on a lot of these early enrollee newcomers be it transfers or juco or high school i i just see a lot of guys that are new that are going to impact this team absolutely so here's an interesting question that came to my mind and we'll get to some of the other newcomers too that we got to see that we didn't get to see but question for you wes or for the crowd so luke doty right now is still the backup quarterback and could very well keep that throughout the season but even if he's the number two quarterback, Doty, during the season, does Lenore Sellers still play more snaps at quarterback than Luke Doty as a Gamecock in 2023? That's an interesting question to me because I'll admit, I don't really think that I gave lots of credence to the thought of, hey, yeah, Lenore Sellers, he's making a lot of waves behind the scenes. Coaches love him. Teammates are talking about him. Player run practices, he's showing out. I don't really know if I gave it enough thought, though, until you said it, that, hey, you might need to find a way to get this guy on the field. And I think one reason for that is you do have Doty there as the number two, another mobile guy. You also have a very entrenched starter coming back in Spencer Rattler. So you probably don't think as much about, hey, how do we you know, find another way to get this other quarterback on the field? But he may prove to be too good, right, to do that. So – I think it's an interesting question. Maybe, maybe Doty stays as the primary backup in a, hey, 
if something happens to Rattler, here's who's going in and taking the game, right? Versus just playing a guy situationally because he's that good and can help you. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm like the more I think about it, I'm I'm not even sure that it's a question that Sellers can help this team. Like I, I truly believe he can. And just depending on how it plays out, you know, you hope you obviously hope Rattler is healthy all year. Um, you hope if you're a Carolina fan that you're blowing some teams out so you can get Doty in there and you know he can go play too. But but yeah, certainly if you have that sort of QB package for sellers, I think absolutely there's an opportunity or a chance for him to play more snaps, for him to play the second most snaps among the quarterbacks, even if he's not, you know, the backup quarterback. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Chris. We we probably talked about this leading in. You start to – so you're split into two teams in a, in a spring game. So you don't get an actual depth chart, but you do get a feel for, for example, we know Rattler's one, Doty two. You don't really get – okay, well, here's the third quarterback because the the next guy going in is going to be partially based on which team he is on for the game. But you can get an idea of who those two guys are if you just look at the order they go in. So, again, Rattler 1, Doty 2, but the two guys that appeared to be on the same plane as far as when they went in for their respective teams were Lenora Sellers and Tanner Bailey. So... I do think you can put some, you can take something away from that, right? Like those are the two guys that you would say are kind of in that conversation in the running for the third string spot. Not to say, you know, they've officially eliminated anybody, but when, when those guys are in some cases younger or the same class, as other people that they're competing for, or competing with, I should say, I I thought that was a little bit telling as far as where the QB room is right now as well. Yeah, and I don't think any of that was a surprise, really. You know, um, shoot, dating back to last season, Wes, we saw towards the end of the year Tanner Bailey, hey, he's on the travel squad, which was interesting, you know, and we heard – some behind the scenes and I think even some public talk from what I recall about how Tanner Bailey was performing in practice. And so let's say South Carolina had not been able to basically flip Lenora Sellers from Syracuse and he wasn't on the roster. You know, I think it'd be Tanner Bailey that would be attracting some attention and, and kind of pushing Luke Doty for that backup spot. Now it's Sellers who's emerged as this true freshman early enrollee who we're talking about, yeah, maybe pushing for a backup spot, but also pushing just for playing time because of his unique skill set and what he can do for you. You know, Tanner, I think you come into this year, you kind of thought, hey, Spencer Rattler's one, obviously. That's not changing. That's not going anywhere. And then Luke Doty's here at number two, and then maybe Tanner Bailey's your backup. Now, of course, Lenore Sellers has uh, – I said Tanner Bailey backup. Tanner Bailey number three. Now you got Sellers entering the fray. So – not really a surprise that those do appear to be kind of less in some form or fashion. I guess you could say your top four, but you've also got a couple guys in there that can do some different things for you. You know, Sellers at quarterback as a package guy. Tanner Bailey's much more of your prototypical 
passing pocket passer quarterback. And then Luke Doty, who's done, heck, a little bit of everything offensively and special teams since he's been at South Carolina. Yeah, man. And I, so uh, we'll certainly continue to track how that plays out. And um, just you, you got six quarterbacks only in a perfect world, one or two can play. So, um, you know, there's going to be some shuffling there and, you know, probably some guys to have decisions as well. Um, you know, certainly something we'll be tracking moving forward. Um, I tell you what, man, the guy – So, I, so I had two answers – as far as who just stood out the most to me. And I had one answer when watching it live. And then I had a different answer when watching the the TV copy of the game. And both of these guys I'm about to mention were on my initial, like, five standouts from the game. Uh, and Sellers was on there as well. But I, I thought after watching the game in person, I was like, man, Trey Knox is – as advertised and maybe even at least this is my my personal feelings on him maybe even a little bit better than my personal expectations even though my personal expectations for him were actually pretty high in the first place uh, you know we've heard a ton of positive uh, buzz about him from from people who would know and uh, so both publicly and then behind the scenes as well. Like we know Carolina and the staff, they're they're happy with what they've gotten out of Knox. And, you know, but but you never know like, okay, does that mean he's going to be a good player? Does that mean he's going to be a great player? Does that mean he's going to be an elite player? And just the fact that both quarterbacks who were on the team that Knox was on while he was in the game, so that was Rattler and Tanner Bailey, they really, Chris, seem to focus in on him and say, you know, I, I'm going to get this guy the football. And to me, that that felt kind of like, all right, there is a comfort level here, even though he's a newcomer, um, and that he's a guy who I trust to get the football to, trust to get open. And um, I also maybe have a preconceived notion about what a wide receiver turned tight end usually looks like. And... Just go watch the post-game video of Knox where he's sitting up there. Like, this is a broad-shouldered guy. And I I really think um, what will be actually probably one of their better players on offense. I, I thought it was noteworthy that Beamer said, even though they gave Spencer Rattler the Offensive Player of the Spring Award, there was com there are conversations about doing co-award winners and Trey Knox would have been the other award winner. So they really seem to be excited about him and I can just see why. Yeah. One of their best players, I think this season because of his talent level West, but I'd also in a different way, say also one of their most important players, you know, that, that those two things are a lot of times the same, not always though. And, and I think with Trey Knox, he's such a critical guy. Um, you know, he he mentioned when we did a Garnet Trust interview with him a while back before the spring, uh, they were still going through winter workouts, I believe. And, of course, he has a prior relationship with Dow Loggins, the offensive coordinator, was his position coach, tight end at Arkansas. 
and they had had conversations about just how important it is for an offense to have strong tight end play. It can just open up so many different things for you. And with Trey Knox, even though he has a wide receiver background from high school and in his first year or two at Arkansas, he's got that skill set, right? But there's no doubt you look at this guy, as you said, Wes, he is a tight end. He's 6'5", 245, 250. He's a massive guy. And he can run routes. He's big enough to be effective as a blocker. He has familiarity with Dow Loggins and some of the carryover concepts that he'll take from his time at Arkansas and bring into the Gamecock offense. So there's a familiarity, a comfort level there with help that helps. I think when Spencer Rattler, Tanner Bailey, they're out there looking around, it sounds oversimplified, but when you see that massive target out there, Trey Knox on short and intermediate routes over the middle, he's a guy that's easier to target and, you know, with his receiver skill set, he can come down with it. So it, it, it makes it when you have tight ends like him that can run and block, it kind of makes it difficult on defenses to be able to key in number one on that guy, but on the other components of the offense too, whether that's the run game or the pass game. So I think Knox, a guy like Josh Simon, yeah, they needed replacements in the tight end room because of what they lost. But I think these guys, their skill sets, particularly Knox, are going to be critical for this offense. Yeah, and I, I thought you already saw a few little things where I, I think they'll be able to use Knox um, kind of underneath the formation where you're either going play action or RPO, and you're kind of putting him in a situation where you're simulating that he's going to make that kind of tight end. Um, I don't even know what you call it, like a reach block or like an arc block where – um, the tight end is coming across the formation. And then a lot of times, and Caroline did this on Saturday, um, if there, there's an edge defender, you kind of leave him unblocked. And the tight end actually looks like he's about to block him. And he almost fakes a block. And then he shoots out into the flat. And the fact that he is a willing blocker and that teams are going to have to, we talked about this earlier, count him as a tight end um, makes those all the more effective. I think so there's a lot they can do with Knox. I think they'll split them out. They'll line them up in line. They'll, they'll do everything with them, I believe. And it, it'll be fun to see what they come up with. Cause that was a very, very vanilla um, game plan. It looked, it looked like a few plays that were just, you know, very similar to what they did last year, I thought. And they were clearly, I don't know if you caught the Dow Loggins press conference from last week, Chris, but um, he said that vanilla was his favorite flavor and that that's all we were going to see on Saturday. So he li he lived up to that. <laughs> yeah, di didn't see uh, no double reverses, nothing too crazy. And that was fine, right? There were some, there were some exciting offensive plays, some exciting defensive plays. You can't say that they got out of it with nobody getting hurt. They had a couple few guys go down in the game, which is unfortunate. Um, especially, you know, Jalen Nichols was the one that looked iffy, right? The, the other ones appeared to be okay. Kawan Banks, I know Beamer said afterwards, was fine. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. ended up being fine. Uh, but I, I think overall, look, you, you got what you expected from a spring game, which was a scrimmage situation. You got to see some live bullets fly. You got to see Sellers and Bailey and some of those other quarterbacks be live and, and you know, be tackled to the ground in some instances. So there are some things we learned. 
there were some things that um, you know you can't get too up or down about the offense, the protection, for instance, Wes. It's not something that any fan should spend a ton of time over analyzing because of how the game went, how a spring game is typically structured, right? Um, there were some other guys, though. I don't want us to blow past this. You teased it, and I got us off track a little bit. Some of the other newcomers on this team, you know, I came away impressed with some of the other newcomers as well. Uh, Jalen Kilgore was one. Um, dude, great. This was said in the chat. Pup Howard, who, by the way, is listed at the exact same weight as some of the edge players on the Gamecock team, I think, what, 6'4", 242. He looked it. He looked like an edge that they put back there. Um, got our first look at him. Uh, I liked some of the things that I saw from him as well. Um, Elijah Davis, Marky Anderson, right? I mean, we got to see a lot of newcomers in this game and kind of get our first look at some of these guys. Yeah, Nathan uh, chiming in said Juice is just a dude. Absolutely. Uh, Juice is a dude. And, and you know, spring game, we kind of, and spring practice in general, we probably don't talk about the guys who are just given. You know, like Juice is a given. He's going to be a stud. Spencer's a given. He's going to be a really good player this year. Um, you know, I, I think there's some guys that you just kind of almost take for granted a little bit, uh, you know, which is fine because this is all about who's who's new that can go ahead and impact, um, you know, the team right now. Even I think Marcellus Dial has, like, quickly kind of risen into the oh yeah you kind of know know what you're going to get with him at, at cornerback but you know i i think elijah davis for me chris is the guy who um i, I was just kind of blown away honestly when, when i was referencing it earlier i knew like i had he had flashed a little bit watching it live and then i looked at the stats i was like okay yeah he you know he had a pretty good day and then when I was re-watching it, which, by the way, if y'all really want to just go pull up uh, you know, ESPN app, you can, because it was such a fast game and fast quarters, you can fly through this thing. Like, if you want to get a better feel for what happened, I mean, you can knock this thing out in about 20 minutes if you really want to fly through it. But, so I rewatched it. Elijah, I just kept, my eyes just kept going to Big 11. And, um... I thought he looked fantastic, man. So I, I even I asked around a little bit, Chris, because I was like, "All right, am I are my eyes deceiving me? Like, is this just, you know, he flashed during the spring game, or is this kind of w what's been happening?" And Beamer alluded to this too. Got off to kind of a slow start. Uh, I know at one point, Chris, you and I were hearing quite a bit about uh, Zay McLeod, and, and rightfully so. And I, I think he's still a guy that's going to impact this year as well. But at the time, I was even kind of like, all right, hearing more about Zay than Elijah. But so a little bit of a slow start, maybe had to get settled in as far as getting in shape, all that stuff. But apparently the last two weeks, Elijah Davis has just taken off. And it was apparent on Saturday, just the natural ability, to, just the movement ability at that size, change of direction dipping his shoulder a little bit as well for a big man. He he looked comfortable on the edge, Chris. Like, I – it's something we talked about on the other show, but you saw Carolina kind of say, look, we're going to use our interior, you know, quote, interior line guys and use that 
to get more of those guys on the field because our edge spot is so so light at this point. Um, dude, I was sitting there thinking uh, Elijah may be an end edge, whatever you want to call him. Like he just looked very comfortable out there. And when I think some of the issues Carolina has had stopping the run as well, having another big bodied guy out there, um, it is intriguing. But all of a sudden I'm sitting here also going, okay, Donkey Hemingway's back. TJ Sanders. Don't forget TJ Sanders defensive player of the spring. That does not go lightly from these coaches. So, all of a sudden, yeah, you have concerns at edge, but your overall defensive front, Zay took a step, Elijah took a step, TJ Sanders took a step. I mean, you're actually probably feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, look, you still need transfer portal help at edge. Whether that ends up being, I mean, look, this is not going to win me any sort of prize for saying if you find some stud instant impact starter, just about any school out there is going to say, yeah, we'll take that guy right at edge. Even if you find a depth addition of a, of a more true edge guy, you need that, right? You need that. They were very thin coming into the spring game. They were even thinner during the game itself because Tyreek Johnson didn't play. Des Yumiazulu, unfortunately, wanted to get our first look at him. He didn't play. I think, you know, Wes, some of this that we've seen with Sanders and Elijah Davis playing outside a bit during the spring or a good bit during the spring, is some of it out of necessity? Yes, probably so. But South Carolina probably was going to do some of this anyway this year. Um, we saw some different fronts for them. For example, in the Arkansas game last year, we saw some five-man fronts from them that they had to get away from. They've got some guys like Tonka, like TJ, like Elijah Davis that have edge or end or whatever you want to call it, experience from high school. I mean, you go back and look at Elijah Davis's high school tape at Wagner Sally, which is really interesting and interesting watch, by the way. He's listed on his huddle profile as a DN slash middle linebacker. So you had this big guy you know, who looked like a, at the time a versioning D lineman or O lineman even, you know, he's back there playing Mike some. So he definitely can move. You look at him, he looks probably more like a tackle body, but then you put him out there on the edge, Wes, like you said, and he's got, he's very flexible. He's quick, very intriguing to put him on the edge. And so now all of a sudden you've got, yeah, you want to add some more at edge, but now you've got what? probably three guys in him and Sanders and Tonka that you feel pretty good about putting out there at edge, whether it's in run situations or pass rush situations. Yeah, man, for sure. And um, it, it's certainly a situation where I think it could go a number of ways as far as how it's going to play out, but uh, they got to feel better about it than they probably did entering. And, and like I said earlier, man, um, on the other show, you just – you really, even with him being a highly recruited guy, number one JUCO defensive lineman in the country, you just don't know a JUCOs, and that you know, that's no shot at all, um, you know, at him. But it, it's it, it can go either way. So uh, kudos to him though for turning it on the last two weeks, and maybe a little bit of a gamer as well, um, as far as how he performed out there when the lights were on 
another guy, man, Brian Thomas Jr. I've I've maybe been down on him a little bit, Chris, and I, I think in, in today's college football, it's gonna be very hard to to like be an every down end or edge or whatever. But the the pass rush juice is, I mean, it is there. He he gave he gave Carolina's tackles fits off the edge. So, you know, I, I think you're I think you're a little bit concerned on the Carolina offensive side about just, you know, protecting against the speed rush. But also, Chris, um, I, I left spring thinking if you can use him situationally, like in the right situations, there is a place for Brian Thomas Jr. to really um, impact this team this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the spring game, and, and you're right, he wreaked havoc, and I'm sitting there going, you know, if you got a, a third nine against somebody, I feel pretty good about putting him out there and, and letting him try to run around or dip under a tackle. He, he's certainly very impressive. That, it was actually, Wes, just trying to think back, I mean, as far as spring game performances, which, again, put it through the proper lens, filter, whatever you want to call it, it's still a guy out there beating a guy one-on-one. -on -one, and he did it not just once or twice, but just consistently most of the game. Um, yes, his size is limited. If an offensive lineman gets hands on him and, and kind of gets set, you know, they're going to win that battle more times than not. But with a guy like him, the, the technique's advanced. Remember who his dad is, right? Ten years or so, probably, I'm probably shortchanging him. Either way, double-digit years in the NFL is a really, really good pass rusher uh, in a 3-4 defense. So, yeah, undersized, but he's quick, he's smart, and the technique is advanced. Clearly, he's taken a leap from a technique standpoint working under Sterling Lucas, who also, of course, has NFL background, working with a lot of really, really good pro players as well with the Ravens. So, this is a guy that, you know, again, kind of like running back, Maybe you feel a little bit better about the edge position coming in or leaving the spring than you did coming in because maybe a couple guys have taken strides. Des Yumi Azulo did some good things for you during the spring. And then the other lineman that we just discussed being able to slide out and give you something in certain packages as well. No doubt, man. All right, so before we go any further, going to tell you about our great sponsors here on GC Live, of course. First one being Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. Uh, ClintHammond.com would normally tell you about Clint off the top of the show, but you can give him a call, 803-771-6933. Just go to clinthammond.com. Again, with Movement Mortgage right here in Columbia. Uh, same great crew, different name, but same great crew that we tell you about and have been telling you about for the last, I guess, what, two years plus now, Chris. So shout out to Clint. Appreciate Clint supporting this show, going back actually to, um, to pretty quickly after we started getting off the ground. And, of course, our friends at Liberty Tax as well. If you're not aware, it is April 17th, which means if you have not called this number or one similar to it, you probably better get on it. You might actually be at the point where you need to file an extension, uh, but our friends at Liberty Tax can help you out with that. 803-462-5576. If you have a simple tax return, um, certainly they can help you with that as well. If you have a complex tax return, there are all these different ways that you can do this. You can go ahead and insert and upload your documents ahead of time. You can call them to set it up. You can walk in. I would probably call at this point since you're talking about last minute, but certainly either way, you better get these taxes done. 
or else you're going to be needing to call Liberty Tax to try to figure out what you can do with the IRS on your back. So, again, 803-462-5576, and we appreciate our two major sponsors here on GC Live. Chris, was there anybody short of, like, the big name? It seems like most people have kind of brought up the same people. Like, they've kind of – most people kind of – their attention was grabbed by the same handful of guys. Yes. Um, I like your Jalen Kilgore mention. Yep. Not not only because uh, we, we so we made predictions before the game, and it was supposed to just be the most random prediction you could think of, but that could happen. And I predicted a Jalen Kilgore interception, which he did not get. But Chris, I, so I had my eyes on him quite a bit, and I thought he would play a lot, and he did. He actually physically is a little bit similar to Eamon Worry. You watch 24 running around, moving around. He's kind of similar to 21. He's got the big, the long arms. Physically imposing kid, man. Um, Really good pickup. And, And, you know, did some things during the spring game that you liked. We've heard some other things. I know one of the spring scrimmages, um, I was told, one of the closed ones, he had a really good day. So, I think this is a guy that could help. Um, He was one of those really good evaluations by South Carolina. Remember, we talked to Charles Power, our buddy at On3, their director of scouting and rankings, and he really, really liked Kilgore. That was one of the guys that he had for quite some time been higher on. Had, Had a really good offer list, you know. Clemson, Oklahoma, Florida had a bunch of schools offering that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. So, really, really like that pickup. Um, do you want to stay on Kilgore West or you want me to mention it? I have another a kind of little rapid fire of a couple other guys to mention too. Yeah, let, I got one more thought on Kilgore. Um, he made one really sure tackle that I saw that that also kind of reminded me of how many times did Eamon Worry make those solo tackles last year? Whereas, like, he just naturally wraps the guy up the way you're supposed to and then gets him to the turf. Um, There's another play where Kilgore was in man-to-man coverage with uh, Trey Knox, and Knox maybe got a half step on him, but um, the ball needed to be perfectly delivered, and it was not. It ended up being an incompletion. The fact that they have Kilgore catching punts, that tells me all I need to know about the athleticism. So, you know, I, I think there's some other guys ahead of him. Generally, this time of year, I mean, they'll put three, four guys in, like, the punt return category. They're going to catch punts. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to be the punt returner. But I – just the fact they had him back there, I was like, okay, they're pretty high on his athleticism. So, I would say Kilgore stock up this spring. But also, I think that we kind of maybe anticipated that as well. Interesting note also in the return game, Chris, uh, before you give your rapid fires. So they didn't do kickoff returns, but they did do some kickoff return drills during, like, in between quarters. Very interesting. Juice Wells catching some kickoffs. Yep. So Leggett returns. 
Obviously, he had a kickoff return for touchdown last year. Juju McDowell is back. It was his job two years ago. I've already had my discussion about is Nick Harbour the kickoff returner? But three, another way to get him the ball potentially. As we said earlier, he's a dude, so I don't know. Keep an eye on that. Just another potential weapon for Pete Limbo. But uh, what, what do you got as far as some other yeah. rapid fires there, Chris? Well, and on Kilgore, man, uh, well, maybe we'll just keep thinking of things with Jalen Kilgore to talk about. But, I mean, th this is a guy that he was a three-way player in high school and really effective at every single one of them. You know, he he was a punt – he did some punt returning, some kick returning, played defense, he played receiver. He rushed the football from a quarterback position or a running back or a receiver position. They just use them in a lot of different ways. So just a just a really, really good athlete. And and there's another carryover, right, to Mickey Minori, who who did a lot of things in Irmo when he was coming out as well. Some other guys. Let me give one, Wes, that I don't know has really been mentioned in kind of the group of players that kind of everybody's talking about that I liked. Not a newcomer, but a youngster. Emory Floyd. Um, I liked what I saw from Emory Floyd, former four-star out of Atlanta. Got kind of a cup of coffee last year, played a little bit at corner. Um, I liked what I saw from him. I, I think he might have been the one that got called for kind of a ticky-tack pass interference in the end zone. But this kid can really run. He obviously spent time this year running track for Curtis Fry as a sprinter. That was the book on him out of high school was that he can run. He plays with some swagger, which I like. He looks like a really confident Confident kid. Um, I liked what I saw from him. I think people, because of who he is, they're going to talk about to carry on Joiner. But man, I walked away. I, I know you had the take that the carry on Joiner may end up being RB one, pending what happens in the transfer portal. I walked away from the game thinking the same. His very first run, just a really natural run. He also had another one. He ran over uh, Jaron Willis one-on-one, -on -one, who's a linebacker, um, on another play. Uh, Marquis Anderson stood out to me. Love his upside at either tackle or guard, and he played both in the game. His movement ability, he can really, really move for an offensive lineman. Um, and then Stone Blanton looked a, a step quicker to me. He's always had a nose for the football, uh, but I thought he looked – a little bit quicker out there than last season. And certainly we know he's trimmed up some. But, so that's three or four guys that kind of just rapid fire came to mind that maybe haven't been discussed quite as much as some of the others. Yeah, those are good ones, man. I uh, I actually meant to mention Floyd. Uh, some valuable experience for him, I think, getting out there and getting a chance to just go play, you know, at that position. How about for a little bit of a off-the-radar one, how about DJ Black? Um, do you see the way he, I know he, he's Floyd's track teammate. Do you see the way he exploded after catching that ball? Yeah. Um, I think that was the one that was on a dime from Sellers. Great throw on fourth down, by the way. That was one of the throws where you're just like, okay, this kid can spin it. But DJ Black, I don't know. May, maybe a guy, Chris, comes in as a walk-on. I wouldn't be surprised at some point in his career, I wouldn't be surprised if he impacts somewhere. And I, I really feel like he's someone Pete Limbo could potentially extract 
some uh, production out of. What do you think? Should I should I put DJ Black on my list of guys I want to make into a DB? Would that? Well, yeah, you, that probably. That's I mean, he could do it. Receiver. Yeah, no, he's got. Ooh, he's got a lot of athleticism, and and you know, DJ Black is one of those guys, man, as an upstate product that if you talk to anybody who watched him play in high school, especially like people who paid attention to high school football in the upstate and then are also Gamecock fans, they ask about him a lot, right? They're like, hey, hey, man, watch this kid. He's got a chance to be good. And I remember, you know, he was one of those preferred walk-on guys for South Carolina that they really recruited. You know, there's a difference in just having a guy show up and, hey, I want to walk on. A lot of these preferred walk-on guys are kind of recruiting battles, right? And I think DJ Black was – a guy that they really want, really wanted to get into this program would not be a surprise at all, Wes, for him to eventually be a scholarship guy, or heck, maybe sooner than later, and then make an impact somewhere. I mean, Peyton Mangum's a good example, right? Upstate guy, um, has impacted this team on special teams, given them some good run at receiver at times. Not a superstar, but just a really solid player. I think Black, though, man, his physical traits – with the size, the ability to run, those are those are pretty intriguing. And I think at some point, yes, probably special teams or somewhere else positionally, I think he's going to have a chance before his time is done here. Yeah, it'd be fun to see. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Are we missing anything? I'm with you on Marky Anderson. I actually think he probably plays earlier than we probably anticipated either. Like, I, I think he probably sees the field this year. Honestly, I'm trying to – I mean, I, I actually – Chris, like I said earlier, I'm trying to pull up the commitment the commitment list of newcomers. I feel like this is going to be the most not, – not even that they necessarily need, and I, I say need in like the version of them having to play, but I just feel like there's a lot of hits – you know, when, when when you say hit, you're talking about that from a recruiting standpoint of, hey, this evaluation was a hit. Beamer talked about this a little bit, but the guys that are, have already arrived, for the most part, I mean, the early buzz is very, very positive. Um, you know what? I thought Eddie Lewis um, was running around looking the part, looking like a guy who's going to help. They actually had – now you got to remember – Leggett will be in the mix. This was a split team scrimmage, but they actually had with uh, with Rattler, Juice, then they had Eddie on the outside, and they had A.B., Amari, and Brown inside at slot. A lot of times we've seen Eddie inside at the slot during practice with the second group, but with the split teams, he was actually playing outside. So shows you something we already knew. He's got some versatility, can play inside, outside. Has some quickness. Made a nice catch on the sideline that was technically out of bounds, but they uh, gave him credit for. But, I, I mean, I, I think he's going to help this team too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because I wrote about him earlier today and then forgot to mention him. The statistics may not bear it out, but I really like what I saw too. Um, crafty route runner. He's not going to absolutely blow you away with any – physical metric right he's not six five he doesn't have you know a marion brown or nicky minori speed 
but he's just really, really solid. I think I think he's crafty and savvy. Um, couple, one or two maybe misconnections on deep balls during the game intended for Eddie Lewis. But I think he's someone that has versatility and that he can play inside and outside. He's got a lot of experience. The other thing is, Wes, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, first guy up in the punt return, quote-unquote, work, meaning they punted the ball and a guy caught it. Uh, that's what they did in the game. But Eddie Lewis was the first up there. And so when you're kind of thinking of, to me, an underrated um, storyline coming into the spring, going into this season, one of them was the loss of Josh Van. You know, Josh didn't have a huge statistical impact last season, but he was incredibly reliable as a punt returner. And then he did some good things for you. Think about the Tennessee game at receiver with his route running ability, ability to catch the football deep on a variety of routes. I think Eddie Lewis, not the same player, but he looks like someone capable. We thought he'd probably be capable of stepping into a similar role. And I think we saw some things Saturday that, um, you know, lend, lend some credence to that as well. Yeah, man. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. At the very least, he's maybe fourth guy, I think, like next man up. But obviously – uh, could have been a uh, could be a starter as well, so something to keep an eye on there, and uh, probably have a little bit of a competition. I think there at, at punt returner, but he's certainly in there with maybe AB and and our guy Kilgore too. I mean, like I said, I don't know if Kilgore can win that job, but I think it speaks volumes about him just to even be in that conversation. Chris, I, I do want to talk a little bit of recruiting because we teased it, but do you? sort of find yourself now, are there any freshmen that like after seeing the spring that you're kind of circling and saying they, they need that guy to be a hit? I, I still go back to two guys we've talked about quite a bit and say Vakari Swain at cornerback and then DJ Braswell at running back, you know, are, are the two guys um, that you're kind of circling and, and saying – these guys need to be able to help. I think those are the two, man. And not – look, there, there is going to be a drop-off when you go from a couple, you know, top three-round selections, top four-round selections in Cam Smith and Darius Rush to what South Carolina has now. I, I do think Dial, O.D. Fortune, right, Emory Floyd, who I mentioned, I think these guys are very capable. But at least initially, right, there's going to be some drop-off there or, or there's at least not going to be the exact – same uh, level of play. So I think Swain, if he can come in and help, that would be a positive, and he's really, really talented. Braswell, for the reasons we've outlined, kind of ad nauseum on this show and, and written, they need continued help at running back, whether that's depth or a guy that can – heck, if whoever comes in, freshman, transfer, both, the competition's still open. If you add a guy in some form or fashion that – can go and be more of a bell cow, you know, then, then I think you add that. Um, you know, I think whatever you get out of Nicholas Harbor, this is going to sound, it's not a negative. It's more of a bonus, right? He is a five-star, but it's not like this is a five-star quarterback who you're counting to come in and be your starter from day one or could be, or, you know, even a five-star kind of ready-made wide receiver running back. It's just a different situation, but those are the two guys, Wes, certainly that, that come to mind. I will give one other, maybe a wild card. How about Elijah Caldwell, maybe, right? I mean, it looks like they probably got, what, maybe top five, top six at receiver. 
But could Caldwell break in there enough to, to get some run this year? I don't know. I don't think that would be a huge surprise. But I generally agree with your top two there. Yeah, um, I agree Caldwell will be one to keep an eye on. Um, Travis says don't leave out Big Tree. You know, I thought about Big Tree. I, I think he's going to have to reshape a little bit. It would have been – it would have been fantastic to, to go ahead and get him in for spring ball as well. Um, you know, but certainly I think another, you know, another tackle that can play is going to be something that they need to, to figure out. But, um, you know, we'll see on Big Tree. I think he's going he's gonna to have to pick it up quick when he gets here, you know, just being a summer guy at a position like O-line. Um, not many of those guys are just physically ready to go do it, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. I'm with you on Harbor. We'll see what, what it looks like. I, I think situational is kind of the way you want to use him as a true freshman. But uh, lots of people have been asking about the transfer portal, so let's maybe kind of combine that with our recruiting talk. And people are asking, you know, South Carolina going to be active. I, I would say, Chris, they're going to be active and they're going to be aggressive in the transfer portal. We've said it a couple times now, but I'll reiterate, maybe even a little more aggressive than um we thought at one point chris i i've been digging around today i actually wouldn't be surprised you brought up receiver i wouldn't be surprised if they circle back around potentially look to add another wide receiver um if the right offensive lineman comes along i think they'll we've already seen evidence of that linebacker has popped up as a position that they really probably want to supplement at and that's on top of the two everybody already knows about that I'm I'm really just I think we need to come up with a different word because I'm tired of saying running back and edge. I feel like we've said running back and edge um you know for the entire offseason. But but running back and edge for sure. You know, it might be easier, Wes, if we just named the positions that they won't take a guy out of the portal. Wouldn't that be easier? I mean what positions would they not take a guy out of the portal? I think we've said this before, but let's let's kind of reset it. And and I'm not speaking in absolutes here because this, you know, when I say, oh, they would take a transfer portal D tackle, for instance, that doesn't mean a D tackle. Like they're just going to scrape the bottom of the barrel because they're in such bad shape. But would they take the right one? Yes. Um, quarterback, you're not taking a transfer portal guy for obvious reasons. One of them is because you got a starter and then you've got some young talent that you like, like North Sellers, for instance. Um, and you're not taking a kicker or punter because you've got guys entrenched there. And I don't know how active the transfer portal is with kickers and punters anyway, to be quite honest with you. There's a, a few of them in there. There's a few of them in there. You, you scouted all of them. Other than that, I mean, there's not – you, you can maybe narrow it down and say, oh, well, they're not going to take a, a center, for instance, on the offensive line, but would they take a, a tackle? Yeah. I mean, I think it's basically any position is kind of open, and there are levels and degrees to each of them, right? The, the running back edge combo, that's the top priority. That's more of a priority than, say, you know, linebacker. They also probably wouldn't take a transfer portal tight end. I, sh I should say that. Other than those spots, though, you're going to th – there's going to be some activity. There there been offers out even at DB, Wes. I mean, there was a guy that ended up committing to Missouri, the Florida transfer, 
in the last portal window that they they would have taken on the roster as well. Yeah, and I, I think the right way to look at it is like you said, there are levels, there are tiers to it. I think there are some spots where you just if the right like if there's a guy from the state of South Carolina who wants to get back to the state and he's just a stud, you might be like, we don't really need necessarily this position, but you're going to take him. Whereas there are the, the other spots where you're kind of saying you almost have to go get somebody. And even if you don't get that difference maker type, you at the very least have to help your depth. And that's, that's the thing I think Chris fans are going to have to sort of acknowledge and remember is that there's only so many guys in the portal and you're kind of beholden to who's actually out there and available. Like, this this is real life. You can't just manufacture, uh, you know, oh, we want a five-star, we want a four-star edge. Um, who's going to be in there? There really haven't been, in my opinion, maybe as many big-name guys in there yet since this thing started on Saturday as I expected. Now, some of this, I don't know how many spring games in the country have already happened, how many are about to happen, how many will be this week. But, um, you know, we'll see. A lot, a lot of these things are all going to kind of be based on the timetables at the particular schools as well. Yeah, it is. I, I think with this window, Wes, given its timing – it was kind of – it's a little bit more of a question. Like, it, it kind of reminds me back in 2018 with the first uh, early signing period in December. It was kind of a question of, okay, well, how many kids are going to sign early? You know, it ended up being a lot, the majority of them, right? Overwhelming majority. And that's continued, really, as this thing's progressed the next several years, next six recruiting cycles or so. You know, the transfer portal may ebb and flow. They've already put in timeline changes and things like that. But my biggest question has been, you know, yeah, it's going to be active. Certainly for the targets that do go in, there's going to be, you know, the market's going to be ripe for them. You know, they, they will be heavily sought after, especially the talented ones that do go in. But how many will go in, right? Um, there are all different types of reasons that guys transfer, but you would think, this isn't based on data yet, but you would think that, more often than not, the guys that are leaving a place after spring football that have not already left are going to do so because, you know, maybe if it's a football reason, their role wasn't quite what they thought it would be after spring ball. There could be other reasons. And so that begs the question of, well, if that's the case, you know, where are they coming from? You know, um, that that's a fair question to ask. If it's a guy that couldn't break through at another SEC school, can he break through at South Carolina? Maybe so, because there are all sorts of different circumstances. So I'm with you. I haven't seen quite maybe the volume of names um, quite yet, but there's still time to go in this thing, and um, we, we may see a lot more activity cropping up in the next several days. Yeah, it could always heat up um, as this thing goes along. Um, Nathan keep a keeps asking me about the 5K. Um it was a great event. He asked me if Kendall smoked me. I will just say that she did not, and we will leave it at that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk shiz about my buddy. Um, she did well. Everybody that ran did great. Lots of Gamecock fans out there, Chris. Um, I uh, actually met several of you who are on Gamecock Central that were doing the run as well. Um, 
really cool event and 1200 people signed up i think for it so lots of people in town the uh the gamecock walk by the way before the spring game chris literally looked like a game gamecock <laughs> yeah. walk yeah it was yeah. insane um great, yeah great way to showcase the fan base and the passion for recruits again it was one of the best lists i've ever seen um we don't have time today maybe we'll do another recruiting show later this week to like go into all of them chris why don't you pick one recruit to showcase that maybe fans man need to hear about wesley that is a tough one gonna make me narrow it down to just one there was some hey there were some absolute dudes on campus. I, I know you tweeted this. One of the most impressive, I think, lists. I'll co-sign that with you that I that I've seen in quite a while. There's a bunch of them. Um, let me give this one. How about Daniel Hill, um, out of uh, out of Mississippi? Is that the one you were going to pick? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the new right face. Place, well, and, and here's why, you know, <clears throat> South Carolina's been in a good spot for him, but this was his, you know, really the first time, you know, that he's seen that type. Well, it's not the first time. There's a different type of atmosphere for Daniel Hill, and so I think they've been in good shape but needed to get him in that setting on campus again to kind of reinforce that because he's been a few places this spring. And it looks like uh, so far so good on that front. The hay's not in the barn, I don't think, yet for South Carolina on Daniel Hill. But, you know, the position he plays at running back, you know that this is going to be a probably a one- or two-man class for them at running back in 2024. Uh, Jody Wright, Monterio Hardesty, they've done a good job with him. And I think this was a really important visit for Daniel Hill. Yeah, no doubt, man. They want him to be in this class. High, high-priority guy. Um yeah, I'll, I'll go with Dylan Stewart. I mean, number one player in the country, according to On Three. Five-star guy. We know they need pass rushers. Um, I mean, if you could go into D.C. again and add the top player from that area, you know, another five-star, I mean, you're just rolling at that point. So, um, he, he made it in. It was a multi-day visit. It was, a, I believe, a good visit. Uh, I'm sure they rolled out the red carpet for him. This is... I don't know, man, six, seven, eighth time he's been on campus. Like, I, I have lost count. And we normally have that, Chris, with the in-state guys. Like, you know, Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle, those guys have been on campus like 30 times. Um, maybe actually more. But if you're coming from D.C. to have been here, you know, over five times already is – it's a big deal. And I, I think it speaks to the comfort level – I think you could easily also, if you're going to throw in some other guys, you could easily mention like a Mike Williams. I know you write about, wrote about him, Chris. Three-star guy, don't let that fool you. Um, massive kid, good player. I think could potentially be the fourth offensive lineman. I've said that for some time. He could potentially be the fourth offensive lineman in this class. And I don't know, man. It was just a, a huge group of guys. Two other things caught my attention, Chris, from like a bigger picture standpoint. One, the fact that the entire 2024 class 
so far was there. Um, like you, you see all most of the class, you know, is on campus, but the entire class was there. And man, there were so many 2025s that I'm sitting there, you know, some of them are the guys we already knew and like knew well, like Amari Adams, number one player in the state for 2025. Chris, there were so many guys on this list that I am either a little bit familiar with. Or, like, I'm clicking through trying to get myself familiar with them because I'm like, oh, here's another 2025 four-star from out of state that they're able to get on campus. And, you know, I I think we're just seeing them kind of go ahead and get that head start that we saw with 2024. Now it's paying off of 2024. Now you're looking back, the 2025 class, a year from now we'll be talking about how – you know, they've gotten a Deuce Knight at quarterback, a Caleb Cunningham, a Jonte Gilbert, Josh Petty, who's another big-time offensive tackle. Getting those guys in on campus early on will pay dividends for them down the road. Yeah, it will. And I think – I mean, we we went through the stats the other day, Wes, of the of on three's top, what, 10 guys? I think we listed t- top 10, top 15, and – South Carolina had already had about half of them, I think, on campus for visits. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily like DJ Pickett from Florida. He was not on campus this past weekend, but he did visit this year. Are they heavily in the game with him? I don't think so. But they've had him on campus, and that's definitely a prerequisite to being in the game with anybody. There are some that they are in the game with, like John Tay Gilbert, the Ohio State commitment. He's now been on campus a couple times this year in South Carolina definitely with a seat at the table to potentially flip him a lot, a long way to go. But you look at the volume, not, not just the volume West, but the quality of guys that they've been able to get on campus, even for repeat visits from that class. There are a few candidates that you can identify from the 25 class as being guys that could end up being the, you know, the Cam Pringle, the Dante Reno of the 2025 class. Um, and that those guys, had visited so many times by the time they committed and then ended up going, going back on campus again. That That's the type of class you want. You know, when those guys can help you recruit others after they're already firmly committed and continue coming back to campus, that only helps you as a coach. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man, we're out of time. Uh, we've hit on a lot of them. Maybe let's try to do a recruiting show later this week, and uh, we'll talk a little ball with everybody as far as more of the future potential Gamecocks who were on campus. Long list, man. We really can do a full hour on that, I think. So maybe we'll look to do that. And and maybe talk a little bit about Josiah Thompson. We haven't um, actually talked about him on a GC Live either. We we have in other content out there, of course. So, all right. Hey, I appreciate everybody that's coming on. Big numbers today. Appreciate y'all letting us get back settled in here with GC Live. And plenty to talk about. A lot of fun coming up on Gamecock Central as well. Coaches will hit the road recruiting here shortly. And then um, Chris and I have about a month and a half, and then we'll be out there covering camps again as well. So plenty more to come. Summer official visits will be on deck and uh, just all types of stuff. Spring practice may be over, but um, fun is just getting going. Before we know it, we'll be talking about game one in Charlotte. So for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate our sponsors and appreciate y'all for listening or watching. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.